0: God placed David in a school of spiritual formation, and it was not a classroom experience. It was the school of hard knocks in which God was with him.
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and last time we saw a story which served as a warning This time it's a story which is an encouragement. Yeah, we're looking at the story of Saul and David, and Saul's certainly a warning, and David is a
0: marvellous, marvellous encouragement. Think about the place that David had in the plan of God, Mm -hmm. the privilege, the blessing that was his, how wonderfully God used him. And then ask the question, how would God prepare a person who was going to have very significant usefulness in his kingdom? Well, we're looking at how David was prepared, and it is in the school of hard knocks. Boy, what he went through over about a decade, perhaps, in which Saul really was a thorn in his flesh. This is such a great encouragement, because it may be as God allows you to go through a period where your circumstances are really trying, and you're saying, what is the point of all of this? The one thing that is in it is that God is preparing you for more significant usefulness in in his kingdom that's going to come out of it as a result. That's the pattern of David. Why shouldn't it be the same with us?
1: Yes, and we see how God prepared David in the first book of Samuel, chapter 18. So I hope you'll be able to join us there as we continue our message, Anger, Fear and a Broken Promise. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: Notice there is a pattern here. A temptation has come into Saul's heart through this tactless and this faithless song. But instead of recognizing that what was coming into his heart was sin and then coming and bringing it before the Lord, Saul embraces it. He eyes David and sin's building its power in his soul over time. The stranglehold's becoming tighter and the grip of sin is becoming stronger. His hurt feelings have hardened into jealousy. And then jealousy is beginning to harden into a hatred. This is how Satan works in a human soul. And eventually there comes a point when on a moment of impulse, Saul does something that a few months before would have been utterly unimaginable even to him. He's sort of fingering his spear that he holds in the palm of his hand as it's there beside him. And then in a moment that he hardly understood himself, he flings a spear at someone he once professed to love. And you say, how could he have done such a thing? And the answer is this thing has been building its power within his soul for a long time, ever since he first had the thoughts that came to his heart when he heard the women sing that song. That sin that he's welcomed into his heart has now built such a position in his soul that he no longer has the power or even the desire to deal with it. And it's a pattern. That's why it's very significant the Bible says he did this twice because this is now becoming a pattern of behavior. And you will notice that the rest of the book of 1 Samuel, as we go through it, you just find Saul in ever more bizarre attempts is trying to get rid of David. And he's always trying and he's never succeeding. And that leads me to the fourth thing here. There is the cycle of frustration. Verse 29, Saul was David's enemy continually. And uh, as you read through the story, we're going to follow most of it over these next weeks. But if you want to read ahead, you'll find it's almost comical if it were not so sad, because uh, the point of the story is that Saul is always coming up with new ways to try and get rid of David. And every time he comes up with a new way of trying to get rid of David, he always fails. Nothing he ever does ever works. And you see it beginning here, verse 11, he throws the spear, but twice David evades him. Verse 21, he then gives his daughter Michal to David to be his wife, because he says there, she'll be a snare, I can get to him through her. But what happens is that Michal actually loves David and ends up being the means of delivering him from her father's anger. Verse 25, Saul decides, well, I'll send him to the Philistines. I mean, it's just the law of averages. If I keep sending him out to battle, one of the Philistines will get him eventually. So he keeps sending him out. And every time David comes back with more glory and more triumphs and more praise from the women. I mean, it's terribly frustrating for Saul. Eventually, in chapter 19, he sits down with his own son Jonathan, who surely more than anyone else is going to have reason to want to be rid of David. He's the king's son. But unbeknown to Saul, Jonathan has come to have a deep love and indeed a deep covenant with David, and therefore tells David about Saul's murderous plans. So the rest of the book just goes on and on like this. Saul is always fighting David, and nothing he does ever works. And you know why? It's in verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. There's the root of the problem, isn't it? The Lord was with David. And so Saul was actually fighting against God. And he finds himself in these endless cycles of frustration because, friends, nobody who fights against God ever wins. Nobody who fights against God ever wins. And so here's this man who's gone down this path. I've described it as the broad road that leads to destruction. The agonies of it. This is not the way. Do not walk in it. And what do we learn from this? We learn this, that the best time to deal with any sin and temptation is early. There is never a better time to deal with sin and temptation than now. Will you ask God, Today, as I have asked God this week in preparation, you have to do that if you're preparing to speak, but will you now ask God today to search your heart with regards to professional jealousy? To search your heart, lest there be an impulse within you that would end up with you taking your eyes off the Lord, having your eyes on what's happening with regards to his blessing on others and how he's using others. For such would harden into your heart and and eventually lead you down a path that is going to take you not only into sin but into increasing patterns of defeat and of frustration. And if sin has gained a hold in your life, a stronghold in your life, if you say, "Well, now you've described exactly me. I'm in these cycles of frustration. I've I've lost the will. I've lost the desire. I don't know how to get out of this uh, power that sin now has over me. It's got me in a stranglehold." Friend, the root problem is not your compulsive behavior. The root of your problem is your continued rebellion against God. That's what we learn from the story of Saul here today. And that is the fight that has to end. For only when you come to the place of getting on your knees and saying, Oh God, I need you without you. If you're apart from me, I have no hope. And I come to you in repentance. I come to you in faith. I ask that you will come back to me. I ask that you will accept me and forgive me. And that by your Holy Spirit you will fill me. And that you will put me in a position in which I will be able to prevail over that which has prevailed against me. You can't defeat this thing from the position of Saul because God has left him. You've got to come to the position of David. And to ask that by his mercy for the sake of Jesus Christ he'll come. And graciously that he will be with you. Saul. The broad road that leads to destruction.
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, Anger, Fear and a Broken Promise, part of our series on the life of David. And we'll return to the message shortly. If you ever miss any of our messages, you can always catch up online. Go to our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of the previous messages or stream them online. Also on the website, you'll find Open the Bible Daily. These are a series of short reflections, just two to three minutes long, written by Colin Smith and read by Sue McLeish. I caught up with Sue in the studio and asked her what Open the Bible Daily means to her. (laughs) Well, for many years, I've benefited from reading Colin Smith's Daily Devotionals, which are available on the website. I've always found them compelling and relevant. As a retired drama teacher and a person who loves God's Word, I just feel very privileged to be the voice for these readings. You can find Open the Bible Daily by going to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Click on the menu item Resources and then Open the Bible Daily. Let's return to our message now. We're in the first book of Samuel, chapter 18. Here's Pastor Colin.
0: Now, folks, much more briefly... I just want to give you a shorter cameo today of David and then, even more briefly, his friend Jonathan. I just want you to notice about David the the strange enigma of what it is like to walk with God. The blessing of God on David could hardly be clearer in this story. Three times we're told that the Lord was with David. You see that verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Verse 14, David had success in all his undertakings for the Lord was with him. Verse 28, Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David. Three times. Four times we are told about David's success. Verse five, David went out and he was successful wherever Saul sent him. Verse 14, David had success in all of his undertakings. Verse 15, Saul saw that David had great success In verse 30, David had more success than all of the servants of Saul so that his name was highly esteemed. So you could not miss it reading this chapter. God's with David and he has all kinds of success. Blessing follows him wherever he goes. And you think of this story by god 's grace he 's been plucked from obscurity as a night watchman with sheep he 's been brought without even asking for it into the royal courts by god 's kindness, he has been plucked from obscurity and placed next to the king by god 's wisdom and by god 's strength he 's been able to overcome the great giant Goliath, who has been mocking the people of God and threatening the, the borders of their country. And David has become the great hero of God's people. God just blesses him all the time. God is with him and gives him great success. Wouldn't you just love to be David? Wouldn't you just love to be David? Yeah, well, you're not sure and you're right. Because here's the thing, the strange enigma of walking with God. God is with him. God is blessing him. God is giving him good success. And Saul's throwing a spear at him. And Saul's daughter stands him up on his wedding day. And on and on and on we're going to follow the story of traps and snares and suspicion. You would think coming back from the defeat of Goliath that he would have been praised and thanked in the royal court. But instead traps and snares are set for him by all kinds of people who instead of being grateful for his service just would love to see him brought down. God placed David in a school of spiritual formation, and it was not a classroom experience. It was the school of hard knocks in which God was with him. I had lunch with uh, someone from a Christian ministry this week, and in a memorable phrase, they said, we only hire people who walk with a limp you've never really known what it is to be wounded within the service of God, you're probably not yet much use. David's godly character that makes him so useful in the years that lie ahead is forged right here. It's through enduring all this jealousy, all this talk behind his back, all this relentless suspicion, even the open attacks that are made on him that God shapes David into the kind of man that can really be useful. God gives special trials to people with high callings. And that's why it says in the Bible, even our Lord, he learned obedience how? Through what he suffered. So here is this strange enigma, and this is a snapshot of the Christian life to take away this strange enigma of what it actually looks like to walk with God. God was with David, says it three times. He was with him, but how was he with him? He was with him when the spear was thrown at him. He was with him when the woman he thought he would marry didn't show up on his wedding day. He was with him when uh, he was being eyed with all this relentless suspicion and distrust by the person he was loyally serving. He's with him when he has no other option in chapter 19 but to escape through the window and to go out into the country and to flee for his life because Saul is after him. Oh, says Peter in the New Testament to Christians, do not be surprised at the painful trial you experience, but find joy in this, that when you suffer for the sake of Christ, when you suffer in the cause of serving Christ, then the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. That's how David became the man of God that he was. It was true of David. It was true of Jesus. It will be true of you. Saul, the broad road to destruction. David, this strange enigma of walking with God. God's with him and yet with him in all these extraordinarily difficult circumstances that God is using to shape his life. And here's the very last thing in these last moments, just briefly. Jonathan, I want you to see this. I've never noticed this before. So it's come fresh and very wonderful to me this week. The narrow path that leads to life. Verse 3 of chapter 18, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Now, Jonathan, who we introduced to the story for the first time here in the series, he was Saul's son. So he was the boy who was born to be king. Jonathan's been raised in the royal court. He's been mentored for this great position of leadership. And Jonathan could truly say, I was born to be the king. But now David is the Lord's anointed. There is not going to be a succession in the line of Saul as we saw. And somehow, after this great triumph that David was given by the Lord over Goliath, Jonathan knew that this was true. Jonathan, you are not the one. David will be the one to be king. God has chosen him. And somehow, Jonathan became aware of this. David was the Lord's anointed. And so I want us to end here that both Saul the father and Jonathan the son became gradually and progressively aware, certainly Jonathan first and then Saul later, they became aware, each of them, that David was the Lord's anointed. And they have entirely different reactions to that which is revealed to them by God. David is the Lord's anointed. And Saul says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him to the last. David is the Lord's anointed. And Jonathan says, I'll love him. I will love him to the last. Saul says, David must go. And he reaches for his spear. Jonathan says David must reign, and I want you to notice what he does. Far from reaching from his spear, verse 3, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul, and Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Clothes, of course, signified the position of the person. This is the royal prince and he's taking off the royal robe and he's giving it to someone else. What's he saying? What's he doing? He's confessing and he's affirming that as far as his will is concerned, the right of succession is being passed from him to David. He's positioning himself not as his own king, but as one who will be the loyal servant of David. And so not only does he take off the robe, but remember, ancient kings in those days, the first thing an ancient king would do is, is murder all the rival claimants in order to secure his own position. But what does Jonathan do? He says, "Here's the robe. Now let me take off my armor. Let me give you my sword. Let me give you my belt." You are never going to have any trouble from me, David. I'm going to lock arms with you. I'm going to be your most loyal supporter and your closest ever follower. Jonathan makes me think of John the Baptist. Do you remember how he pointed all who followed him to Jesus and he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he said, he's got to be more and I've got to be less. Only faith makes that possible. And Jonathan responds with faith to that which is revealed with regards to the purpose of God and submits himself to God's anointed king. I will never fight against God's anointed king. I will be your most loyal supporter. And David, of course, points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord's anointed. That's what the whole story of David is there for. The scripture says, he must reign until all things are put under his feet. And friends, towards Jesus Christ, who is David's greater son, the Lord's anointed, there will always be these two reactions. Some will respond to Christ like Jonathan did. And some will respond to Christ like Saul did towards David. Some will in their hearts like Saul say of God's anointed, I will fight him. Give me my spear. I have to protect the throne that is my own life. And the Christ who came to serve receives no thanks, no praise from such people, only suspicion, only resistance, only continued antagonism and rebellion. And then there are others who, like Jonathan in their hearts, will say of God's anointed, I will love him. He is the conqueror of the enemy I could never have defeated. And the very best thing that I could do with my life, is to offer my life in his service. To take off the robe and as it were to place it on him and to take off all the weapons that could ever be used to fight against him and then to place them in his hands that I may stand with him and that he may fight for me. I will serve him, I will love him, I will follow him. Saul walked the broad road that led to destruction and Jonathan walked the narrow road that leads to life. And every one of us and every other person you meet is on one of these two roads.
1: What a powerful truth in today's message. Faith surrenders the claim that we might have on our own lives to the one who is truly the king. You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and our message, Anger, Fear and a Broken Promise, part of our study on the life of David. And if you ever miss any of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by going online to our website, openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners, people like you. And if you want to help and support our work of bringing God's Word to folks all over the country, we would greatly value a regular donation each month. As our way of saying thank you when you set up a regular amount of £5 or more, we'd like to send you a copy of the book, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story, Embracing the Mysteries of Providence. It's by Nancy Demoss Wolgemuth and Robert Wolgemuth, and Colin, who would you say this book's written for? Oh, I think it's for every person who has ever said, "What in the
0: world is God doing?" And I think I think we've all asked that question many, many times. You know, you look at your life and you say, "Oh, if only something were different. If only I didn't have this illness." Or if only I had a believing partner. If only I wasn't in this particular situation. And what we're really doing is we're asking a question about what it is that God is doing in a circumstance that we would not have chosen. And Robert and Nancy have written a marvelous book that reminds us that it is God who writes the story of his children's lives in all of the circumstances that we face. So, you know, you look down the contents page of this uh, book, chapters on, you can trust God when your marriage is in trouble. You can trust God when you're hard-pressed financially. You can trust God when you lose your health. You can trust God when your child breaks your heart. Each chapter is actually aimed at a particular circumstance. And what each chapter does is it shows how God works redemptively in every circumstance of life. It's a wonderful book. It's a joy to read. It's a book of stories. And I think it's going to be a marvellous help and encouragement to everyone who reads it.
1: Well, we'd love to send you a copy of this book if you're able to set up a regular donation of £5 per month or more. You can find details of this offer on our website, Open the Bible. Dot org dot UK. For Pastor Colin Smith and for me, David Pegg, I hope you'll be able to join us again next time on Open the Bible. This broadcast of Open the Bible was supported by our listeners. What does commitment to Jesus Christ look like? Find out next time on Open the Bible.